Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Your weekend is not complete without the first lady of New York radio. It's the Joan Hamburg Show. Talk Radio 77 WABC. The hot are right around the corner. Easter, Passover, you name it. And as always this time of year, I'm trying to get ready to cook for or host or co-host an army. The children, the cousins, the cousins' children, about 50 people in all. And as always, I'm in the kitchen and frying up chicken fat which spits and sparkles and has this divine odor that goes through the house. The phone is tucked under one ear, and as always, too, I was talking away. Then I looked up and caught my reflection in the mirror-lined breakfast room. I couldn't believe it. I look at this mirror and I said to myself, what is my mother doing in my mirror? I gasped, I blinked, and she was gone. Was it a big family meal that lured her on? Food was the centerpiece of our household growing up, the bread and butter, so to speak, of family life. And we had lavish meals, not just special occasions, but every day. In Lawrence, New York, one of the five towns on the south shore of Long Island, we would settle in with an ever-expanding crowd. There was my maternal grandfather, Louis, who lived with us, my mother's brother and sister, and assorted cousins. I would say... The norm was around 20, 25 people. And this very generous meal always had multiple courses. It had soup. It had salad. It had a main, whether it was a big juicy pot roast or a rib roast, all the trimmings. And interesting, when I look at my we don't eat meat children, they have probably never tasted some of these things, even though we always had people for dinner. It just wasn't in their interest. But after we had this large dinner, a lot of people, we would stumble fat and full into, in those days, what was called a sum parlor. And that's where we'd be served dessert. Trays would come out of the kitchen, laden with fresh fruits, dried fruit, candy, nuts, and my favorite, chocolate-covered halivar. My mom would request that I perform for my Aunt Seal, a Latin teacher, very serious, and my regular routine 
was from a show, and it was the bit, Mama, I'm not going to Chicago, from Lillian Hellman's Little Foxes. Now, this happened on a nightly basis. And like clockwork, my Aunt Seal would say loudly to my mom, Thelma, you never told me she was going to Chicago. My mother would shout back, she's not going to Chicago. It's in the play. The guests would linger and linger and linger when they still wouldn't leave. My father, and this happened nightly, would remove his pants and in his boxer shorts, he'd pull out the vacuum and start vacuuming until they got the hint. My brother hated it, but he mostly suffered in silence. Later in life, my adorable, funny, always truthful brother told me that having constant company was like a waking nightmare. They never went home, he complained, about the onslaught of hungry relatives. I felt like I never had our parents to myself at all. He said, you loved being with them. You loved entertaining them. As I reiterated to him, it was wonderful and reminded him that we obviously grew up in two different homes because those nights I loved. For me, food met family, meant being together. It was an event like theater. And I took that perspective with me into adulthood. So when it comes to a meal or even going to a restaurant, I always look for more than just what's on the plate. I look for the experience, the persistence of memory. I've always looked for ways to bring my mother back to life over dinner, over lunch. My mom died at a relatively young age. And when she got sick that last time, I didn't know how bad it was. But as I was sitting next to her hospital bed, she suddenly handed me a napkin from the lunch tray. Here, she said, I need you to write down my marble cake recipe. I knew she would never share that recipe with anyone. It was her mom's. And I assumed that she'd take it with her to the grave. But on this particular day, she wanted me to have it. And I have tried over these years to duplicate that amazing marble cake. You'd bite into it. You'd be transported by the rich flavor, the moist texture of a homemade vanilla butter cake studded with real chunks of chocolate. Not those anemic cocoa swirls you usually find. I've never been able to master it, but if I ever do, I hope I'll see my mother in my mirror and she'll be smiling. I've had better luck with my mom's famous Ritz cracker stuffing. Thousands of our listeners have made it and say it's the greatest stuffing they've ever tasted. And it's easy. You just get a whole bunch of onions. I buy them at Costco where they're the size of melons. And I cut them up and I saute them till they're really brown in chicken fat or vegetable oil. And I add, when that's done, a couple of stalks of celery, chopped thin, and I'm almost ready to go. I crush two boxes of Ritz crackers. I add two eggs 
And if I'm cooking turkey or chicken, I use the drippings or I add stock. I add a little butter if I'm adding stock and pepper to taste. And that's what it is. And it really is delicious. So check it all out. Bring back your own family, your family memories and your family recipes. I think that's why many of us love the holidays. And even though there may be things we don't love to eat, we still make them because I see in my mirror, in my kitchen, my grandmother, my mother, my aunts, my uncles, I see my childhood. And sometimes it's a great thing to see. The First Lady of New York Radio. This is Joan Eats. At this time of year, we are getting the listener calls of can they eat out for Easter? Can they eat out for Passover? Help. I don't want to cook. I don't feel like cleaning. It's too much. Well, this is a good time, and I'm glad that you contacted us because if you are having... We'll start with Passover first. If you're having a Seder or thinking of one, we're going to help you order your meal from two of New York's favorite restaurants, Mark Off Madison, that's an unkosher one, or Talia's Steakhouse and Bar, and that's very strict, Glatkosha restaurant. Mark's Off Madison... 41 Madison Avenue at the corner of 26th Street, 646-838-8300. That's a restaurant and bakery from one of my favorite chefs, Mark Strasman. If you remember, Mark cooked at Fred's at Barney's New York and many other restaurants. He's a wonderful chef and he also has a shop. And Mark's Off-Broadway is taking reservations now for Passover 2023. That's April 5th. That's the night they're doing it. And you can call 646-838-8300. It's 125 a person. And it doesn't include beverages tax gratuity. Youngsters 5 to 12 are 60. No charge for children under five. And he really does wonderful food. And the menu, you get a Seder plate and baskets of homemade matzah and his own Sephardic herosis with figs and dates and oranges, walnuts and spices. You get all kinds of good stuff. Grandma's chopped liver, matzah ball soup, his homemade gefilte fish with red and white horseradish. And you have a choice of roasted salmon from Maine with a sauce, a roasted all-natural chicken, or my mother's brisket, that's pot roast, with potatoes, dessert. You get macaroons and delicious chocolate-covered matzah. It's great. So they're offering Passover to take out two, and you pick up on April 4th, or they'll tell you all the information, and you can enjoy it. And the prices, you know, it's not inexpensive. 
but it's really delicious food. So you've got Mark's off Madison. You've got Talia's Steakhouse at 212-580-3770. They're open for lunch and dinner during the holiday. And on the 5th and 6th, they're serving an elegant sit-down Passover meal. Two seatings, including plenty of space for your children. And the menus are excellent. So maybe you're going to treat yourself this year. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. The First Lady of New York Radio, Joan Hamburg. Entertaining and informative. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Welcome, everyone, to the Joan Hamburg Show. And a special treat. I'm not going to say for you, even though it's for you, but it's really for me because I'm the biggest Brian Cranston fan. I know I used to make fun of people who were fans, but <laughs> I'm a fan. And I really, really like Brian's series, Your Honor, which I think everyone likes. It's fantastic. And we all love Breaking Bad, Malcolm. In the middle, I could go over credit after credit. Your Honor is just winding up the second season, and I'm sure there are going to be a lot more seasons. It started a couple of years ago, and um, and then it became a miniseries, and it's doing just great. So, Brian, I'm so happy to see you. It's good to see you too, and Joe. I re- we talked when that series first reared its head you know <laughs> like the and, beast that it is <laughs> but it just sort of hit a nerve yeah well it, it, the thing that really got me interested in playing it was as a father myself the the question was posed to me what would you do to save the life of your child and the answer is i would do anything, anything. And then the next question was, would you knowingly become a criminal if you thought by doing so it would save the life of your child? And once again, the answer is yes, I would. And then that's what my character was faced with, the impulsive decision-making of protecting your your child uh, by telling a lie and covering up. But we know that one lie begats another, begats another, and pretty soon you're a liar. And you've lost your sense of self, your principles, your, you know, what you stand for and your morality. And um, and explain it, whom the father was. It wasn't like he was just a garden snake kind of daddy. Yeah. You know, which <laughs> most, most of us fit into that kind of category. But he was... A different father. He was a very renowned judge. Yeah. And people looked to him for justice and right. and the right things. So here was, his world falls apart in mm. 
just a bit. It was really interesting to to have a character who whose occupation and passion was seeking justice, determining right from wrong. And here he is himself going from right to wrong and doing so for the right reasons. But is it ever really justified to do that? And the first season ended in tragedy. And so I wanted to explore the second season in it in an authentic way and and have that journey include despair and grief and and redemption and is that possible after such tragedy and the, the other thing was I think our society was lacking in empathy towards people and and coming out of the pandemic and we we're disconnected from each other and I wanted to see what it was like to to have forgiveness be at the core of our theme, not only in asking forgiveness, but in granting forgiveness mm-hmm. to others. And did you find what you were looking for? Yeah. Uh, Showtime was very supportive and said, this sounds great. Go, <laughs> go ahead. Right. And as an audience person... It was amazing, but I really felt nervous when I started watching the second season. Oh, like, you did? What could happen here? Yeah. You know, I was the kid who read the last page first of the book uh, <laughs> to make sure it had a happy ending. <clears throat> yeah. And you really couldn't call it no. until you got into it. Yeah. You know, and then suddenly you became that kind of parent. Yeah. And you're constantly questioning yourself. Did he do right? Is he going to do right? What am I going to do? What would I do in yeah, that place exactly. if I were in that position? Yeah, it's um, it's easy to answer those first couple of questions. I would do anything to protect my child. But then the, the third question was, would you continue along that line if it hurt or killed innocent people? And all of a sudden, that assuredness breaks down into doubt. Right. And what are you doing that's the best for your kid? Yeah. Because the best for most of us is to protect them. Yeah. No matter what. Right. But that always can't be the case. Did your kids concur with the conclusion or did they have strong feelings about? Um, Well, I only have one daughter. She just turned 30. Uh, An actress. Yes. An actress, Taylor. And she's very bright and, and extremely talented, and thank God for that. Um, and she, we had we had talked about it, but it, but not in a way of of a critique in the sense of I I think it's it's an honest, authentic um, structure to start a series with, and my character spirals down in that first season. And in the second season, it's an attempt to see if there is an upward spiral. Can someone recover from such a tragedy and find his or her way back to some sort of life after grief? Yeah, well, that's a very complicated question. Yeah. And now, of course, we have to have a third season. Well, I don't know about that. (laughs) <laughs> I'm not sure if that's in the cards, really. It should be in the cards, though, because you know how oh, I always do that. Like, 
what happens now? Yeah. You're going to lead us up to this and then take off? <laughs> and where is my ending that I want? And what happens to this guy? Well, I think you may be feeling some satisfaction at the end of season two. Yeah. Um, it's some. It's something that we designed from the beginning. We We wanted to make it different from the ending of season one and come to some kind of completion. Uh, and whether or not we're able to then reopen that and and progress into a third season, uh, it still remains to be seen. Would you like that? I would like it if there is a legitimate uh, reason to do so. If, if I am presented or come up with a, a dynamic idea that I... I have a reaction of, oh my God, that's fantastic. We should do that. Let's let's dive in. Um, and that has not presented itself. There's still plenty of time. But if that presents itself where I get excited about a specific story, then I could see myself doing a third season. But if not, then I'm okay with not. Right, on to the next. Yeah. But the audience, I can tell you, we would like another season. <laughs> no, really. I'm invested now. Well, thank you. In the characters. Thank and you, Joe. I don't want them to go off. I don't know what they're going to do, and I feel nervous about it, yeah. which is what a good show should It should. Make it, you have feelings yes. like that. But um, I feel like you can't leave us. I mean, <laughs> we we have to know well, what's going to happen. I, I, it, it does end in a way that gives... Room room, but also satisfaction of some completion, some feeling of a full circle. And how do you feel personally when you have to, or you think you have to let your character go? I don't feel bad. Um, I've been doing this for 44 years now. So I'm used to saying goodbye to characters. It's not, it's not something that I, I, you know, white knuckle and try not right, to... you can let them I go. I can let it go, yeah. And go on to the next. And go on to the next. And do you think when you're invested in these characters about the next or you're content to be in the moment? You, you, that's the goal is to stay in the moment, be in that moment and embrace it. And then when it's done, then you can look forward to something else. But I think it, I can't get too far ahead of myself of course, I'm still reading scripts and things that of of ideas, whether it's in theater or or television or movies, to you know to, to, the to consider. Yeah, yeah. And is that a complicated thing, or you feel that's part of this whole process? I enjoy it. I I think the the one thing that I I really worked at, and it, it's to be able to identify well-written material because if you find a, a a play or a movie script and it's well-written it has a chance to be good if it is not well-written it has no chance to be good that's just my philosophy on it so yeah. i look for that you know it's interesting because i raised that question in a writer's group recently is just having something well-written enough, or if you're reading out loud, 
and it comes across better than when you're reading to yourself. Mm. What does that really mean in terms of the script? Is there any validity to that? Yeah, because sometimes uh, if it's just in your head, it's maybe not fully formed. But when you speak it out loud, you you hear it, and it could strike a different a different tone, a different sensibility. Um, there's merit to that, but but having a well written script isn't enough, because we we live in in a collaborative world where there are so many moving parts that come into play, and at any given point, you're only uh, there's a chain, and you're only as strong as your weakest link, really. And, you know, you do it all, theater and television and movies. Mm. So I went to a popular movie the other day in Manhattan, Mm -hmm. and there were like four of us in the whole theater. Mm. And it was so sad. Mm -hmm. I know that sounds crazy, but I felt, what is happening here? Four people in a great big theater on 60th Street, you know, in the middle of Manhattan. Usually there are lines way. And we're seeing this a lot with this industry. Yeah. I think what's happened is that um, you have the advent of technology improving exponentially. So the the viewing uh, of it is you, you cannot get better than top of the line crystal clear televisions that are huge now comparatively the same size as a movie screen would be in your living room the sound is fantastic uh you can also you know what i want to get a a drink or i have to go to the bathroom i'm going to pause it for a second yeah so it to compete with that is really hard for movie theaters to do now is the experience the same? No. I think that collective experience sitting so in a movie theater is, is so great. And if you are in a comedy, whatever that means today, yeah. you can't be alone in, a, in your living room or a theater because laughter is collaborative. It is. When someone laughs, you, you laugh. You it's, do. You can't help it. It's also, a, a, it's also permissive. So you... By hearing other people laugh, you don't feel um, restricted in laughing yourself. And so you can just let go. It's infectious. Yeah, without question. Do you have a favorite discipline? Like doing everything you do and all of it has worked from Mm -hmm. Broadway, Mm -hmm. which I love watching you work, to television, to your series, to everything. And you write and you direct and you produce um, I love, I still love to act. So that is my primary romance. And, um, whether that's on Broadway or in a film, it's much harder to, to be in a Broadway show in a play than it is to do a movie. Uh, because if, if it's well-written, every single performance includes deeply emotional content that requires you to fully engage and you you get exhausted after that you know you you eight performances a week it's tough. and it's very hard to come back in the movie business i call it the bits and pieces business we we do little bits little pieces every day and then afterward it's like putting together a jigsaw puzzle and it comes together but 
any one given piece is not that taxing usually. So these days, beside the series, which I personally hope we're going to see a third, but you guys don't know that yet, right? No. Um, Showtime and uh, is is possibly interested in doing a third season. Yeah, they should be. But uh, to their credit as well, they want to know that there's something dynamic to say. Uh-huh. It's not just filling time and giving jobs. I want to know that there's something important to discover and a journey that will be interesting for the audience as well as for me. Well, I think you have it. You don't have to go too far. (laughs) I mean, we're all waiting to see. Anyone who's a parent has a vested interest in this show. I think so. And in what goes on in the head of a parent, especially an incredibly moral. Yeah. What was so great about the second season of Your Honor is the Showtime allowed us to really uncover in an authentic way what would happen to a parent should that ultimate tragedy occur in your life of losing a child. And you cannot be the same. I did not want to do the show if they insisted that my character get his mojo back after the first episode and here he goes, he's crusading again. No, Uh, I wanted to explore the real feelings of what it would be like. And there are people out there, unfortunately, who have suffered this. And how did they come back? What semblance of a life did they form after tragedy? And I I wanted to take those baby steps to, to really feel what it would be like to live with that. And what kind of life do you have going That's forward? Right. Can you really function yeah. and feel? I've wondered in face of terrible loss or tragedy, can you really feel joy again? Or is it tempered mm-hmm. with something? I think, well, you'll, I think it's, it's not mutually exclusive. I think you can feel joy and you will always be forever changed by a tragic moment like that. Um, and I, we start exploring that. For example, my character discovers that he has a grandson. And at first, uh, it was very carefully done. I, I, my character, I didn't want him to embrace the grandson. I wanted him to push away from that because of what he was responsible for in bringing tragedy into his life. Exactly. And so he, he was nervous about this innocent coming Child. into his life. Yeah. And then it starts to slowly turn, and by the end uh, of episode eight, I believe, um, he's feeding the grandson and finding moments to reconnect to humanity and some moments of joy in his life. Which is good. Yeah. We need that. Yeah. Do you feel optimistic about your industry in terms of the film industry. Mm-hmm. I mean, that the question all the time, pick up the trade papers and is there a future? Is there not? Oh, I think, I think the one common denominator that human beings have is that being told a story is innately human. Whether you're two or 92, you want, want to story. be told a story. Always. And, and 
to be able to be a part of the storytelling community is the joy of my life and professionally. Well, it's the joy of our lives, too. Thank you. Any theater in the future? Yes. I will always come back to theater as as exhausting as it is. Right. It's also very addictive, and it brings you immediate joy and then postpartum exhaustion. You know, so. yeah, but, it, but it went it's over. <laughs> yes. Uh, but yes, uh, there is. Um, uh, I'm in discussions right now with a possible revival of something that may come. I don't know if it can come as early as next year, but soon, I hope. Well, next year seems soon. And yet so far away. <laughs> but you look up and there it is. Yeah. And we could use it. Uh, yes. And this would be, I, I'm, it's something that I've wanted to do for a long, long time. That's a classic musical, and um, I'm not going to reveal what that is just yet. Well, but, we'll uh, have to hear that. Yes. And and now I'm thinking, what classic musicals? Mm. I'll keep you guessing, Joe. Okay. Couldn't be Oklahoma. No, Oklahoma. We've been there. <laughs> yeah, Oklahoma came back with, with a revival and did wonderfully well. Yeah, because we love those shows. Yeah. We want to come out and hum and sing. Yes. And we don't do that enough. No, I know. It's it's happy. I mean, the theater, there's a lot of theater now coming in, mm -hmm. but a lot of it is dark. Yeah. You know, I want to go and say, no, give us a break. Yeah. You know, yeah. dark is okay, but I want to feel happy. Well, this revival would make you feel happy. All right. Yes. Does it make you feel good? It does. And I, I'm with great anticipation. Um, and I, I have a specific idea of how I want to mount it. And so um, I've been given the blessing from the estates. And so we're, we're, we're going to embrace the, the culture of it and the, the intent of the original mm. uh, production back in the 50s. I'm giving you hints. You're giving me a lot of hints. Now, we're yeah. all guessing in the control room. They're thinking yeah. they're too young to do the They weren't even born when no, this was No, they happening. weren't born in no. the That's right. We were doing a lot of different things. I've, well, I've got to give some time to think about that. Okay. But I like surprises. Well, I will definitely come back and talk to you okay. in, in detail about it. I'm excited. But yeah. don't wait for a whole year. Well, it, I want to do it right. Uh, it has to be done right. And, you know, some things will take time. Yeah. yeah. Well, January isn't that far away That's if not we're that talking far. about that. Yeah. Do you like living here rather than L.A.? I enjoy both. Um, you know, quite frankly, living in New York uh, in spring and fall is some of the best, the best times right? I've ever had. I first moved to New York 40 years ago. Hmm to do a soap opera. And um, I'm reminded of that from people I talk to and who I've known all that time in New York. And I love it. I love New York. And and so I come back and forth. But if I, I had my druthers, I, I wouldn't really want to spend too too much of a winter here anymore. No. Yeah. It's even though we were fairly warm. Very warm this winter, yeah. Yeah, but, but still, but the city is constantly changing. I went to South Street the other day. Uh -huh. I, I didn't recognize South Street. Yeah. You know, it's all gussied up and 
a very glamorous marketplace yeah. with food from all over the world yeah. and tourists packed in there. So yeah. I like the changing face. And yet I like to go to neighborhoods in the Bronx that are still there. Wow. You know, yeah. where family restaurants are yeah. still serving big Sunday lunch. Love that. I know. But we love our city. Yeah. You do. You fall in love with it. It's got its, you know, it's like a family member. You embrace it for all that it is, faults and all, warts and all. Right, and exactly. It's like, and for all that it gives us yes. and the opportunities. Yeah. Do you think, I get this all the time from kids coming here from other places they always, how do I do it? What do I do? Is there a chance here? Can you still get discovered sure. in a city like New York? And if not in New York, where else? When when you first come to New York, if you're not a native, it seems so daunting. It's massive. Right. And everything, everyone's moving quickly and you feel like you're going to get run over and the buildings are, are like towering monsters but the more you you commit to being here and and just stick to itiveness and work, the city gets smaller and more manageable. That's right. You know your way around. You start you just start figuring out how you adapt to it, and it gets smaller. And you feel like you know everyone on yeah. the street. Yeah. You know, I had my granddaughter here uh, about eight months ago, and we were walking on Fifth Avenue, and I bumped into a couple of people, and she was. How do you know those people? <laughs> you know, the, to her, it was so overwhelming. Yeah. This great big city. Yeah. That says hello a lot. It does. It does. And you know what I also love about New York is that it, it, uh, for any reason at all, they'll close a street and have a street fair. They'll have a parade. They'll put up bandstands and have music, live music. And it, it's inconvenient. And yet... It's necessary to embrace that kind of culture and the way of life for New Yorkers. I love right. it. And to go even during a marathon or a race and get so excited. And then I think, I don't know who these people are. Why am I sitting here yelling, go, Jimmy? <laughs> it's, Who's it's Jimmy? New, yeah. It's New York. That's right. And it belongs to us, yes. too. Yeah. And it's interesting. When I go to visit family in L.A., Yeah. I can't find that. You can't. Now, I'm it, sure no. you do because you've had a lot of life there. Yeah. I was born and raised out in, yeah. in L.A. So it has its own advantages and disadvantages. Um, uh, so you, you just have to seek out what feeds you, what serves you, what, what feeds your soul. Keep and you, moving. And you know that. Yeah. And you know, I I I get also going back from Los Angeles to New York. What I miss more than anything is is nature. To be able to go out and see trees and right. and water and and those things. And so you've got to get away from the concrete jungle at times. You do, and it's important that we have that breath in between, mm -hmm. so we can appreciate it, and we can't be too hard on our city no and no. it's easy to oh yes take out whatever on yeah. it, but we can't do that because it makes everything possible too it's i look at new york and when i first gave an assessment of it after moving here was this is controlled chaos 
it seems chaotic, but yet there's there is control to it. There is management to how Manhattan works, especially. Yeah. Well, I love that we could pass you on the street and someone will say, look, there's Brian Cranston. Yeah. But they won't necessarily bother you. No, I know. That's it. That's the New Yorker way. Yeah. I get an up nod from it. It's like, hey, like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I see you. I recognize you. Yeah. And do you still get a kick out of that? I do. You know, I uh, um, I don't seek it out, really, but I, I do like to talk to people and about how the projects that I've chosen affected them, moved them, made them laugh, helped bond them with a, a parent or a child or something like that. It's it's very it's very rewarding in that. Well, we're so happy to have you here. Thanks, Joan. And whether it's television, movies, theater, you're doing it all. Thank you. Are you writing too? I'm writing. I'm writing right now, co-writing the sequel to a movie called The Upside uh, that I did with um, Kevin Hart and Nicole Kidman. And so I'm co-writing that, and we hope to be shooting that later this summer. And where do you shoot it? It'll be somewhere on the East Coast. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, hopefully, I'd love to be able to shoot in, in New York. It'd be great. That would be great. Yeah. Summer. Maybe you go out to Montauk or yes. someplace. Wouldn't that be nice? I like it. Rent a big old house. I like the way you think, Joan. <laughs> You're my kind of guy. We're practical. <laughs> <laughs> if there's an ocean and there's sun, why not use it? Why not use it? It's important. Yep. Brian, thank you. Thank you, Joan. I love that you took the time to come in during a so-called snowstorm here in New York. Yeah. I know. It's Look at it. It's, it's stopped a flurry. already. Yeah, they made nothing. it such a tragedy. Yeah. We're, we're good. I, I love talking with you, and I will always come in and, and have a chat. I'm excited. But when the new project is about... Yes, I will definitely will come in, and we'll talk in more detail about yeah, it. Yeah, because I want to hear all about it and what it takes. Yes. And what it takes when you're in rehearsal for a new Broadway show. Yeah. I, I often... I, I'm the kind of person that sort of worries about even strangers. <laughs> so... There was a time when I had to deal, deal with something and I was going to the rehearsal studio and I could feel the anxiety. Mm-hmm. And so you worry about all these performers. Yeah. And we need it to happen for them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yes, I'll come back in and we'll talk in more detail about what it takes to put together a Broadway show. It's a deal, yeah. right? let's do it. But pleasure. All right. That will be our next conversation. Next conversation. Thank you, Brian. Thank you, Joan. Good luck to the family. Thank you. And we'll see each other soon. I'm Joan Hamburg, and you're listening to your favorite WABC More to Come. Guess I got what I deserve. Kept you.
the First Lady of New York Radio. This is Ask Joan. With the awful weather we've been having, not cold, but sort of wet and gray, we're all looking forward to spring and flowers. And so does Macy's. The great department store is doing their annual flower show. And it starts Sunday, March 26th, and it goes through Sunday, April 10th. It's right at Macy's on Herald Square, 151 West 34th Street, between 6th and 7th Avenue, right across from Penn Station and Madison Square Garden, and it's free. It opens 10 a.m. to 9 p.m., Sunday through Thursday, and 1 to 10 Friday and Saturday. Believe it or not, it's the 48th flower show from Macy's, and it even has a scent collection from Dior. Like the shows in the past, the the balcony, the main floor, the windows of the world-famous Macy's Herald Square location have become the most enchanted garden space. Thousands of flowers, of plants, trees from around the globe. And Macy's Flower Show has a terrific opportunity to enjoy every kind of blooming flower and plant and tree in a magical ways. The world-famous display has floral designs with architectural elements, bridges, columns, topiaries, and the 2023 Macy's Flower Show, in partnership with Dior, will add scent. Now, that's a new dimension to the show. And according to Will Koss, the executive producer, the show will transport you to the garden of their dreams and of your dreams and create an indescribable multi-sensory experience. So this is something good to do. And by the way, Stella, the restaurant, it's Stella 34. It's the Trattoria on the sixth floor of Macy's is doing a special lunch menu during the flower show. I suggest you make the lunch reservation now at 212-967-9251. And if you've never been there, you have great views of the Empire State Building. And I don't know now, but in the past, they've always had garden show themed drinks, a flower show themed menu. When we spoke to them, the menu wasn't out yet, but it's always a treat and something lovely to do. So come on in and celebrate spring a little bit ahead of time. I'm Joan Hamburg.